this is on. So, just going to move over here for a moment. I feel happier behind the keyboard, that's <laughs> all. Heroes. And villains. has no relevance to what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I just thought I'd do that. Oh, music stand, that's, I suppose it's better than a lectern. Um, when I came in and I saw on the worksheet it said Moses versus Pharaoh, I actually thought, because I've been studying this in depth this week, Richard, you'd be pleased, pleased to know that, and it should be Moses versus pharaohs, plural, because he had run-ins with different pharaohs at different times in his life. So I'm kind of glad that the video covered the second run-in that he had with the pharaoh, because I'm going to mainly talk about the first run-in that he had with the pharaoh. And I wondered as well, you know, who's the hero and who's the villain in this story? Because the pharaohs were the kings of Egypt, so they were responsible for the welfare of their people. They looked after their people. And as far as I can tell, you know, you got good ones and bad ones. But that's what they tried to do in whatever they did. They tried to look after their people. So, setting the scene that we've got is that the Israelites were living in Egypt under the rule of the pharaoh. And the pharaoh noticed that there were a lot of Israelites. He said, we've got too many of them. There's too many for us to handle. We've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them. Because if there's any war and they should join our enemies or just walk off and leave us, we'd have a problem. So Pharaoh decides he's going to organize the Israelites. I don't think that's a terribly villainous thing to do. I think it's probably quite reasonable in Pharaoh's position to do that. So they organized them into work gangs and put them to hard labor under gang foremen. That's not too nice. Yesterday, um, we employed somebody to lay a, a patio for us. Not because I'm not strong enough to do it, but because if I laid it, it would be all over the place. It would be absolutely awful. But I offered to lay before him. And after six hours of lugging slabs around, mixing concrete and uh, wheeling it down to him, I'd had enough at that point. So I, it's funny, looking at this, I was thinking about hard labor, and it said they, um, in one of the versions of the Bible, it says that they were doing it with, with uh, stones and slabs and all kinds of things that they had to do. And in fact, the Israelites built the storage cities of Pithom and Ramesses for the Pharaoh. But the harder the Egyptians worked them, the more children the Israelites had which is, I don't know how they had the energy, but it, was, <laughs> it just seems really quite strange that God was blessing the Israelites in this, and what the Pharaoh had kind of hoped was, was backfiring on him, that uh, he thought, okay, we'll, we'll put them to work, we'll drive them um, down, but more of them kept appearing. They made bricks and mortar, and they did back-breaking work in the fields. They piled on the work, crushing the Israelites under the cruel workload. Then, the king of Egypt had a talk with two of the Hebrew midwives. Why he was talking to the midwives, I just, 
I don't understand that. The Bible doesn't say, but he went and had a chat with these two midwives. One named Shipra, the other named Pua. He said, when you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the sex of the baby. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. Now, what do you think they're going to do? What do you think the Hebrew midwives are going to do? Do you think they really would? I, I, no, they didn't. The midwives had far too much respect for God, and they didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. They let the baby boys live. And the king of Egypt called the midwives and said, Why didn't you obey my orders? It's reasonable. You've let those babies live. The midwives were very clever. And they answered him and said, The Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They're vigorous. Before the midwife can get there, they've already had the baby. Smart answer. And God was pleased with the midwives. The people continue to increase in number. A very strong people. That's what it says in the Bible. So God was, he was looking after the Israelites, even in this difficult situation. He was making them increase, and they were strong. And because the midwives honoured God, he gave them families of their own. So I know we haven't quite got to Moses yet, but this is just setting the scene. So Pharaoh then issued a general order to all his people. Every boy that is born, throw them in the Nile, but let the girls live. It's a bit, bit desperate, really, but he obviously doesn't know what else to do. So I think that is a bit villainous, saying uh, that he should do that. So this is where Moses comes onto the scene. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and had a son. So she's had a boy. What's going to happen? She knows that the boy is going to have to be thrown into the river Nile to be killed. But she saw there was something special about him and hid him for three months. Now very often when I read the Bible, I, I look at things like that and I think, well, if there wasn't anything special about him, we should have just thrown him away. I, just, I don't know. It just seems I quite like the questions that are left in the Bible for us sometimes to ask. And I don't think there's any harm in asking those questions. In fact, I think it's good. God is a big God, and he can stand our questioning of what's written down. And it might take you down a route that you don't expect. So if you see something you're not sure about, ponder it, think about it, pray about it. So... She could see that Moses was special. I don't know how, but I, I know my own children and grandchildren are special. I just have to look at them. So she hid him for three months, and then when she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a little basket boat. And I thought, yeah, that's quite logical. I can imagine a small baby. You, can, you could probably hide one for about three months because they don't crawl about much at that stage. If they make noise, you can sort of cover it up a bit. But, well, yeah, that's right, Richard just... Smacked the, <laughs> oh, smothered, smothered the baby, right, smacked, it's a bit of smack. Um, but yeah, when they get to a certain age, it's very difficult to conceal a baby. So she got this little basket boat made of papyrus, waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and placed the child in it. Then she set it afloat at the edge of the Nile. And I thought this again was quite clever, because... In a way, she was throwing her baby boy into the Nile as, as the Pharaoh had commanded, but she'd put him in a boat, so he was kind of going to be all right for a while at any rate. But I don't know, the Nile's a pretty big river, and this is just a little basket boat. 
And she must have been desperate, but I think she was just casting herself on God's mercy at that point. And maybe all of us in our lives, certainly me, have known uh, when you can have a time of desperation when you really don't know what to do and you have to cast yourself on God's mercy. There's nowhere else to go. And so she was trusting in God, I believe, at this point, that he was going to look after her little boy. And then what happened next, I think, is so amazing. It's incredible. And the, the woman who who'd bore Moses had another girl, a, a child, a girl, an older sister, and she watched what happened. She saw her mum put the basket in the River Nile, and she watched to see what would happen to him. And then Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe, and her maidens strolled on the bank. She saw the basket floating in the reeds and sent one of her maids to get it. She opened it and saw the child, a baby, crying. Now, I think there's several amazing things about that, that Pharaoh's daughter would just wander down to probably, presumably, where some of the Israelites were. There's no guard or anything. So they didn't feel threatened that much by the Israelites at this point. And she finds the baby. And she says, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. Now, I wondered how she knew it was a Hebrew baby, but then when I thought about it, I thought, actually, it's, it's pretty logical that, you know, who else is going to be throwing their babies in the Nile? Why would an Egyptian want to hide their child? But she knew straight away it was a, a Hebrew baby. And then Moses' older sister went up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, do you want me to go and get a nursing mother from the Hebrews so she can nurse the baby for you? It's pretty clever, that, really. I'm not sure how far this might have been. I don't get the impression it was planned by Moses' mother uh, or his sister. But so she goes and gets Moses' mum to nurse the baby for Pharaoh's daughter. So things are working out quite well at the moment for them all. Pharaoh's daughter told her and said, take this baby and nurse him for me and I'll pay you. <laughs> this is, this just gets better and better. You get paid for being a mother, a job that she was going to do anyway. So Moses' mother took the child and nursed him. And I just love the understatement in the Bible at that point. Something amazing has just happened and it's just down there as fact. No embellishment that this is what's happened. Then the next bit of Moses' life, we don't really know a great deal about. We just know that he was brought up in a privileged situation. He was brought up in Pharaoh's household. And was it Disney made that fantastic film called Prince of Egypt? So they based all of that on nothing that was in the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting wondering what, what happened to Moses during those years. And it, it was quite a lot of years. I'm not sure how many, but he was brought up and uh, just lived in a very privileged situation as an Egyptian, not as an Israelite. And then he was out having a walk one day and he saw his Israelite brothers being worked hard and one of them being hit by an Egyptian. Not very nice. So what did Moses do? He went and killed the bloke. When he saw that nobody was looking, he went to this Egyptian who'd hit one of his Israelite brothers and he killed him with his bare hands and buried his body in the sand. Not a terribly good thing to do. You could maybe understand it, but you know, we all make mistakes, but I think that was a pretty big one to do, to, for him to go and, and kill him. So what happened next? He ran away. 
because people inevitably found out that Moses had done this and it reached Pharaoh's ears and he said, I want to have that Moses killed. So Moses ran away. Right. That's the bit of the story that I'm looking at in, looked at in some detail. What, there's loads of other things that happened. I'm going to ask you some questions about those in a minute. But at that point, we learn that God saw the suffering of his people in, in Egypt. And he decided he was going to do something about it. And he decided he was going to use Moses to do something about it. Moses wasn't too keen on this. And you can read all about this in Exodus from chapter 2 to chapter 7. In fact, Moses is terrified about this. He doesn't want to do it at all. And God tells him he's got to go back to see Pharaoh. It's a new Pharaoh by this time because the other one had died. So they've got a new Pharaoh there. It's a long story, that, but the Israelites are freed. So, what about Moses? Who can tell me what else Moses did in his life? We saw some of them in the video, but what, um, what else? This, you've got to wake up now. I'm asking you questions. What are other key events in Moses' life? You can just shout them out, Andy. Burning bush. Burning bush, that's right. That's when God got his attention to start with, with a burning bush that didn't burn up. What else happened in Moses' life? He was a shepherd. Yes, he was a shepherd for somebody else, wasn't he? The, the father of the woman that he married, um, he became a shepherd and looked after the sheep. What else did he do? Ten commandments. Yeah, Moses went and got the Ten Commandments. Pretty good. There's, there's a, at least one other huge thing that he was involved in. Parting the Red Sea. Just a little thing, that, isn't it? Standing before the sea and the sea parts. Absolutely amazing. There are so many other things that he did. Go on, Rich. Does he feature in the New Testament? He does. He's mentioned in Hebrews, actually. Uh, yes, he is. Yep. That, those weren't ones I was thinking of, though. <laughs> what else? Anybody think of anything else? I think some of you are hiding your lights under a bushel. Okay, he was involved in the, the manna in the desert coming down. God said that he'd feed his people. And in water coming from the rock as well. Um, yeah, his face shone, yeah. So, how old was he when he died? 120. Well done, Steve. Moses was 120. And what was special about him when he died? I like this bit. There's hope for all of us with this. It says that his vigor was unabated and his eyes were undimmed. So, so why did he die? <laughs> I don't know. So, I just wanted to think for a moment, and I think I'm just about on time with this, about, it's quite good, it's okay, thank you Richard, about what, what this means to me. Moses wasn't an out-and-out -out leader. He never really wanted to be a leader or do anything like that. But God wanted him to do those things. And even though uh, there's something else notable about Moses, was he had a speech impediment. He couldn't talk properly and he didn't want to go before Pharaoh. Um, but God still used him in all those situations. And I think reading the stories, Moses listened to God, and then he argued with him. He said, no, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. But he listened to him in the first place. 
He took note of what God said. And then, even though it was reluctantly, he went and did those things. And I think that there's a, a lesson for me in that. The first thing is be open to God. Listen to what he's saying to you. And then you can argue about it, but go and do it. That's okay. And God likes us to talk to him. Likes us to, the only way I can relate to it is with my own children. Is I like interaction with them, even if they're arguing with me. If they're arguing the right way, that's good interaction. It's great. And God can cope with that as well. He's slightly cleverer than we are. There's another thing I just wanted to share very, very briefly. Is that, that's okay. okay. I'm okay. Which is that Moses did bad things in his life. I'm sure killing the Egyptian wasn't the only bad thing that he did. But he did lots of other really good, amazing things with God's help and direction. And the, the thing that I take from this is, you know, I'm going to mess up sometimes, but the, the main thing to do is to do what God wants me to do, to follow God. And then I won't have time to think about the bad things or avoid doing them if you're doing all the good things. So that was it. Okay? No problem. Ten minutes. Oh, I've got to introduce Amanda now. It's time for Amanda to lead us in worship again. Thank you.